This morning we're going to continue looking at what Jesus said and what Jesus did. Is there anything else that matters? Uh, hello? A lid needs to come off. A lid needs to come off because if we don't, the rocks will. Shut up, rock. We got this. I know some of you are like, well, Pastor Doug, I'm praising in my heart. Maybe it's time to praise in spirit. Maybe it's time to really praise. Do we proclaim this? Do we believe this? Then we need to give God glory. So we want to be a part of what Jesus said and what Jesus did. Most definitely what Jesus did was love. And what he speaks is love because love is greater than hate. We have enough hate today in 2018. We have enough haters in 2018. We need more love. We choose the way of love or the way of hate with every word we say. Wake up your neighbor. We choose the way of love or we choose the way of hate with every word. We choose the way of love or the way of hate with every reaction. How many of you are sires? Oh, you have this reaction. Oh, we choose the way of love or we choose the way of hate with every word, every reaction. And Charvis last night at our prayer service reminded us we choose the way of love or we choose the way of hate with every offense. We choose the way of every, we choose the way of love or we choose the way of hate with every post we make on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. We choose the way of love with every word we speak or we choose the way of hate. A lid must come off this morning. I had one of those weeks where I did not sleep and I usually sleep so well, but the clock would go 1 a.m. and 1.30 and 2 a.m. And I knew I'm not the most attractive guy. And I knew that the next day that people would be like, man, you got hit in the face with a, like a skillet or something, man. You are. And I just knew that was going to happen. But I just could not rest because I was crying out to God. Change my heart. Break off the lid at Hope Point. Every church has drama Every church has a past, and you've done a great job reminding me of the glory years at Hope Point. And you've done a great years of reminding me of the scandals at Hope Point. There are not perfect churches. So, quit looking for a perfect church. Join an imperfect church and use your gifts. Use what God has given you. Quit hopping around to church after church. Choose one of them. Let me look for a minute. Yeah, all the perfect people didn't show up today. A lid must come off this place. And so night after night, I hear the groans in the city. I hear the sirens in the city. We chose to purchase a house in the middle of Yuba City. We chose to be right in the heart of the city. We love this city. 
We know God has a plan for this city. And so night after night, God was just keeping me up. I could not sleep because I knew today was coming. And God had a word for somebody, maybe one person. The lid has to come off. Back when I was a youth, we would talk about the God-shaped hole that we all have in our hearts. A God-shaped hole which means nothing can fill that hole but God. We try weed, we try porn, we try alcohol, we try lust, we try greed, we try self-centeredness, we try, we try everything to fill that hole. And nothing works until God fills that hole. So what are you investing in this morning? And then what is that return? You're investing in something. You're putting time and effort into something. You're investing into something. So what are you getting back in return? If you're investing in the kingdom of God, you are getting so much. He has to push you down like the kitchen trash. We do that routine, you know, in the kitchen trash. Take out the trash. You know what? Maybe I can push the trash down just a little bit more and put more trash in it. Then I won't have to take it out. Gosh, nobody does that? Okay, well, I do that all the time push it down, shake it together. I can get more trash then I don't have to take it out. If you're investing in the God, that's the return you're getting. He's given you so much. He has to press you down, shake you together, shake it up so he can give you more. Can I get an amen? Did we just talk about this? I'm praising in my heart, pastor. It's okay to say amen. It's okay to say to God, be the glory. You're not giving me any shine. You're not giving me any praise. It's not about a man on the stage. God is the senior pastor of this church. So we come to give him praise. Amen? So a lid must come off this morning. You're choosing the way of love with every word you say or the way of hate. Love is only hard if we're keeping score. It's only hard. Love and grace and mercy, they're only hard if we keep score. This morning, God has something that's bigger. There's an author and former monk, Thomas Merton. He says it this way. Our job is to love others without stopping to inquire whether or not they are worthy. Our job is to love others without stopping to inquire whether or not they are worthy. Thanks be to God that Jesus didn't stop and go, yeah, I'm not not sure if he's worthy of my love. While we were yet sinners, God sent his son, Jesus. I was a sinner, but I have been set free by grace. I was blind, but now I'm see. I am so thankful that God didn't, Judge me of my worthiness of his love. Amen? God, through Jesus, has come to bring us a love that transforms our life. That's a vision for us. The path of hate keeps your world the way it is. Hate separates. It divides. It alienates. It destroys It crushes lives, but love brings people together who otherwise would be pushed apart. This is what hate says. Hate says this. If you don't agree with me, you're my enemy. That's what hate says. But love says this. We don't have to agree with each other. 
to love each other. So you want to change the world for the glory of God? The nine o'clock service said yes. So that, that's okay. I'm, I'm not comparing. I already started comparing. Do you want to see something change in your heart and in your life? Do you want to see the lid come off? If so, stop demanding what you think you are owed. Stop demanding what you think you are owed and start giving others what they need. Stop holding on to a petty offense and start seeing others as priceless as Jesus sees you. Unconditional love doesn't seem fair until you need it. We need to begin to see others the way Jesus sees us. And so as we look at the scripture this morning, we are going to see an extraordinary story of how Jesus saw a Samaritan woman. The passage is called The Woman at the Well. It's found in Matthew chapter 12, sorry, John chapter 4. John chapter 4 this morning. Take out your Bibles, your iPads, your iPhones, your other phones, your tablets, whatever you have, whatever you have God's word on this morning. As we see an extraordinary story of the way Jesus sees you. Make it personal this morning. This is a story that God has ordained for us this morning. If this is your first time at Hope Point, there's a reason that you're here. God wanted you to hear this. If you've been in the church for 50, 60 years and you came this morning, God wanted you to hear this story. This is a story that can set you free. This is a story that can take the lid off. A lid must come off of whole point. If it needs to begin, it does. It needs to begin with me. I don't want to be the lid here. I need God to break through and into my life. I want to be more like Jesus. Extraordinary story. John chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Parentheses, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. So the Pharisees were keeping track of how many people Jesus baptized and how many people John baptized. So the Pharisees, they're the most religious people. They, They knew the letter of the law. Scholars of religion, they were keeping track of how many people Jesus baptized and how many people John baptized. And they were creating a little bit of division. There was some jealousy. And then in parentheses, it says, although Jesus himself wasn't baptizing anyone. And so they believed something that wasn't true and began to keep track of something that was not true. It sounds very similar to what we do in the church. Those of us that have been in the church the longest, we could even call ourselves a little bit pharisaical, a little bit Pharisees. We like to keep track. We like to keep score. We hear something about somebody else. Ooh, did you hear about And we keep track. We're not as bad as them. And we start keeping track of gossip, things that aren't true. Those of us that have been in the church A long time, the lid must come off. We need to find a path that's fresh and new and that's radical and begin to do and say what Jesus is stirring in our hearts. And so the Pharisees, the 
religious leaders of the day were trying to separate Jesus and John by keeping track of how many people they were baptizing, putting it on the scoreboard. Love is hard if we keep score. Love doesn't keep score. Amen? So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. So Jesus had to just leave. From Judea to Galilee, there was a city in between called Samaria. Verse 4. He had to go through Samaria on the way. So from Judea to Galilee, he had to go through Samaria. Now, Samaria was a place of the Jews' enemy. So Jews and Samaritans, fierce enemies. Jews believed that even if a Samarian touched them, they would also become unclean. They felt Samaritans were unclean. So Jesus was going from Judea to Galilee, and to get there quicker and to get there the correct way, he had to go through Samaria. But when people would make this journey, they wouldn't go through Samaria because that was the city of their enemy. So it would take them four to six hours to go a different way. Samaria was a place of outcasts and Samaria was a place of the disenchanted. Samaria was a place of the hated. Samaria was a, a, a place of losers. But Jesus felt the need to go to Samaria. Aren't you glad that God didn't take the easy way around and sent Jesus to a cross? Could have come up with a different option, but but he sent Jesus to the cross. That was the difficult thing to send his own son to the cross for us. And Jesus could have bypassed Samaria, but he knew he was called to Samaria. Amen? Personalize this. God comes to you where you're at through Jesus. Could choose a different route, an easier route, but he comes right to you. So Jesus had to go through Samaria. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Let's pause there just for a minute. Jacob's well in the town of Sychar was a gathering place. People would go to the well to talk and and to have community and and to share about what was happening in their city and what was happening in their life. It was a, a gathering place, Jacob's well. You didn't go there alone. You went there with other people or you met people there. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. You see that Jesus got weary? Jesus was tired. He's experienced everything you've ever experienced. Jesus has experienced everything we're going to experience. Jesus knows what it's like to walk this earth. He got weary. He got tired. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. Let's not even pass by that one. In my Bible, it's in red. Please give me a drink. This is the actual words of Jesus. Samaritans were unclean to the Jews. So this woman, if she's going to give Jesus a drink, they were going to have to touch. Don't don't pass by this. That's the love that Jesus has. 
breaking down barriers, stepping into these situations. Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because the disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Now, the woman was also alone because she was an outcast. She had had five husbands. She was a... She was despised. She was hated. So she came to Jacob's well, which people came to have community. She came alone. So she was already feeling shame. She was already feeling guilt. Verse 9, so the woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very dry. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than your ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And then Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. Can I get a witness? This is the red letters of Jesus. This is the actual words of Jesus. He's preaching the sermon, not me. These are his words. We should give an amen. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirst again. It comes fresh, a bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. You have a God-shaped hole. You're thirsty. You're thirsty. And the drinks that you choose do not give you satisfaction. The drinks that you choose, the things you choose to quench your soul makes it even drier. But when we drink the living water, we will never be thirsty again. And Jesus says it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. We need more bubbling springs. We need the lid to come off. A lid will come off when there's that bubbling spring. Amen? Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I will never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Verse 16, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman said. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while Samaritans claimed it's here in Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshiped? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming. When it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit 
and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ, when He comes, He will explain everything to us. (laughs) Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then the disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. Let's pause there. I don't want to jump off the significance of this. This is Dodgers, Giants hatred. This is NorCal, SoCal hatred. This is Jews and Americans, or Americans, Samaritans. This is hatred. Let alone a woman and a man speaking. A woman who had had five husbands. A Samaritan who was unclean. An outcast, someone who was hated, Jesus entered into her life and invited her to eternal life. Anybody give me a witness this morning? Oh, the lid must come off this place. We need a revival. What are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? Jesus is on the other side of the door. He's calling you to step through. He already owns the land he's asking you to step upon. Amen? Amen. Hey, there we go. Just when his disciples came back asking her, what are you talking about? The woman left her water beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. She could not contain what had happened. She had to run off and tell everyone about Jesus who erased her shame. Jesus, who set her free. Jesus, who recognized her even in her sin. She wanted everyone to know about this Jesus. Amen? This story teaches us that God loves us in spite of our sinful lives. You either are a mess, or you were a mess, or you're one decision away from becoming a mess. But Jesus is not repelled by you. He comes to your well and sits down with you and invites you to this living water. He actively seeks us and invites us to join him. He was the most righteous and pure person of all time. But did he spend his time judging or sighing? (sighs) Or did he spend his time being fed up? Jesus came to embrace us, the left out, the outcasts, the notorious losers of the world. He came to restore people, not condemn them. He came to befriend and love, not cast aside. We need to follow his commands. Otherwise, why do we even call ourselves followers at all? Last concept, and everyone said, amen, I get it, it's late. Verse 23 and 24 give us a true indication of what worship really is. Worship is an expression of reverence. 
Everybody, are you with me? Can I get everybody's eyes just for a minute? Not that I'm something special. Worship is an expression of reverence. What are you investing in right now? What are you worshiping right now? And what return are you getting? Worship is that expression of reverence. Jesus said worship must be face to face with drums and a guitar. (laughs) No, it's not about music. Worship is not about music. It's about a face to face encounter with God who has the living water that restores us and sets us free. It's not about rule following. It's an intimate encounter with the creator. It's a full recognition of who God is. That's what true worship is. It's a full recognition of God who is almighty, who is loving and who is merciful and holy. It's life-changing. As we saw with this woman, it changed her life and she ran to the village and she expressed this true worship to everyone she came in contact with. True worship is not exclusive. True worship is not exclusive. It's something that we share. We have a face-to-face encounter. It's not checking off the box that you came to church today. I worship today. It was okay. The preaching was probably better last week. Sanctuary was a little cold. And the music was too loud. That's not worship. Worship is a face-to-face encounter with God. I don't know if you know, we have a prayer, a house of prayer night every Saturday night. One of the whole point glory stories I got here is we had this great Saturday night worship service. And so we're trying again. And there's only about 15 of us that come on Saturday nights. But I just want you to know, we gather together every single Saturday night for a house of prayer. We pray for the city. We pray for our marriages. We pray for our friendships. We pray for our family. We pray for the nation. We pray for our president. We pray for the world. John Waller and Shanta and Hannah, they lead us in worship. Charvis and Gail and Pastor Dan, other, other pastors, we pray we, we, we just encounter the presence of God. And I used to have a little bit of an attitude like, no one's coming. <sighs> Sign, you choose the path of love or hate with every reaction. And just a few weeks ago, God said, it's not about anybody else but you. I want to be face to face with you in this space. And so it's just been so rich and so satisfying and so magnificent to worship God face to face, just completely laid out in his presence. Just as the Samaritan woman rushed off to tell about her encounter, true worship compels us to include others, our neighbors, our family members, our spouses, our classmates. True worship in spirit and in truth, is an encounter, a face-to-face encounter with God. It produces a transformed life. Stand with me as we conclude our time together. I got a text yesterday from a gentleman who comes to Hope Point 
And God stirred in his heart to do something for the Redding fires. He was just really moved to, to serve that city. And he said, would Hope Point like to, to help? And I said, let me think about it. Yes. And so he traveled with a bunch of people and they got to Shasta Community College and just set up there. And they fed just a thousand people last night. Not a big deal. A thousand people last night. Can you believe that? I was amazed at what God did in this act of obedience. And so they had to come back today and buy more food so they could go back up this morning for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And they're just going to start feeding as many people as they can. Awesome. And so on the fifth Sunday, we usually take a compassionate ministry offering. We do this five times a year. We take an offering for our compassionate ministries, which helps people with their utility bills or their rent. If you give us a dollar, that dollar goes straight to needs in our community, sometimes in our Hope Point community, but sometimes just in the community abroad. So we're going to take an offering, and I know that we've got to try to multitask here. We really want to respond to what God taught, but we also want to take an offering. Half of the offering that we get today will go to the Reading Fires, and we'll continue to keep you um, in the know about how you can respond to this great, great, great need of our brothers and sisters up north. But half of this Compassionate Ministries offering that we give today will go straight to the the ministry in uh, Reading. If you want to see the receipts of how we spend the money, if you want to know who was uh, blessed by the generosity, just come see me or Gail. We'll tell you exactly how this offering is being spent. But it spreads all over our county. So men and women, if you come now and, and pass the plates. But let's stay in the moment of reverence. Go ahead and pass the plates. And let's make this personal this morning. I was up all week and I just knew one person needed the lid to come off. I just knew one person finally needed to get real. You've been a fake Christian. You've been wearing the mask. You get to church, I'm putting the mask on. Hello, how are you? Welcome to church. You just put the mask on. And I just really felt all week that one person needed this lid to come off. They needed to fill that God-shaped hole with the creator. And we could have skipped all the other stuff and just when you walked in, you already knew it. When you walked in this morning, you already knew it was time for you to make a change. And that change is Jesus sitting beside you. You're face to face. Let's not leave this moment too soon. This is your moment. The word has said the time has come. I do want to hear chains hit the floor. So as we sing and pray, let's respond. Either at an altar, I know it's really hard to get up and come to an altar because it's public and you don't want people to to question what you're doing. Similar to Jesus when he went to the well and sat down with a despised woman. Do you think he cared about what people were thinking? So sometimes it just takes, you got to get up from where you're at and come forward. Our pastors and ministry directors and prayer leaders will be available to pray. But let's just sing in spirit and in truth this morning. Let's just worship and respond to what God is stirring in your heart and in your soul. Let's sing.
expression of reverence. So we want this to be sacred and, and reverent and personal. As this next generation, as I said, this next generation in in spirit and in truth. Thank you, beloved, for being here today and for accepting my rants, accepting my just my desire for us to be more like Jesus. And I love you, church body. I thank you for accepting me and my family so graciously. It's an honor to be your pastor, to be in this place. So as we pray, let's just pause. Make sure every mind and every heart is clear. Praying for a lid to come off your heart. Or your mind. I think there might be one more person that's just kind of holding out. Just pause in this moment. All right, let's pray. 
following the prayer, if you would leave in a sacred fashion and maybe hold your conversations to the lobby or to the breezeway as we continue to pray and worship today. So following my prayer, if you could stay and worship and pray or leave with reverence. Let's pray. Living God, we have been to the mountaintop this morning and we will never be the same again because we experienced your great, unconditional, radical love for us. While we were still a sinner, you sent your son Jesus to rescue us, take our sins upon himself. And then you resurrected him, brought him back. And we've been set free. Who the son has set free, we are free indeed. And so every word we say, Every reaction we embrace, every offense we have, make it in love. As you have come to our well today, sat with us face to face, looked deep into our soul and expressed a love that transforms, a love that sets our path to eternal life. pray these things in your name and we say so be it and amen.